This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. church somehow got it backwards because they don't study the word is obviously but every single one of you that believes in Jesus Christ you are called to preach you're preachers you're Caruso you you herald the, the message as a, as a man would herald the message in the village you preach out there and I always put I always give you the illustration you preach out there you, you know you, you, you preach which is proclaim out there then in here we teach Preaching the gospel isn't just the job of the pastor. We've moved to a church culture where the pastor and Sunday morning worship service is at the center of so much of what we do. For many believers, it's the only spiritual or gospel-related thing in their lives. As Pastor Eddie will exhort us in today's message, we shouldn't be relying on one man behind the pulpit to share the gospel. We need to be sharing it with our world. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Power of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 5 all the way to verse 10. Verse 5 to verse 10. Paul writes, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, in, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. For from you the word of the Lord was sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we'd had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Now, the church, the believers in Thessalonica, they were doing very well. They were thriving. They were a young church, but for a young church, they pretty much had a name for themselves, so much so that Paul encourages them, and and really, and we'll see in the letter how he talks about their faith and their reputation and their testimony. And in the midst of that, they maintained their faith in the midst of persecution. They were being persecuted. But as they were being persecuted, they continued to grow and share the gospel. Now, Paul is writing them to encourage them, to give them, to remind them that, hey, listen, you're doing great. Stay where you are right now. And I understand this misunderstanding about the coming of the Lord. And that's the one thing they were uncertain of. 
will Jesus come um, before, uh, you, know, uh, you know, will he come before the church, after the church? When is he coming? What is the first coming? What is the second coming? You know, because many have passed away because of persecution, and they were concerned that they may miss the coming of Christ. So they not they have understanding about the coming of the Lord, and actually that is the theme of First Thessalonians. If you study First Thessalonians five chapters, at the end of every chapter there is a, a mention about the coming of Christ, and in between as well. But we're going to look at the coming of Christ in this letter two ways. We're talking about the coming of Christ coming for His church. That's the rapture, and He's going to just. Descend from heaven and up in the clouds, he's going to call the church. He's not going to step foot on heaven yet. And so he's going to talk about the coming of Christ for the church. That is the rapture. And then the second coming of Christ after the rapture, when we come with Christ to rule and reign with him forever. Now, the first coming, obviously, is when Christ went to the cross. So the first coming, Christ came to the cross. And then Christ is going to descend from heaven, calling the church up to be raptured. The second comes when we come and rule and reign with Christ. And then finally, we looked at the, the verse by verse in verses 1 through 4. In verse 1, Paul gave his a typical salutation, his greetings to the church of, the, of Thessalonica. And then in verses 2 to 4, Paul prays for the Thessalonians so they can continue in their faith. They had good faith. They, had, they set a great example to the church in, in, in Macedonia and Kea, as we see. And thirdly, one thing we noticed that after we looked at verses 1 through 4, God is mentioned five times. God is mentioned five times. And that's important. Why? Because the church was birthed by God and it was built by God. It wasn't, it wasn't of man. And, and that is because the church was birthed by God, not by man. The birth and the ministry of every church must, must, must be the work of God and God only. Trust me, I've been in ministry for a long time. I've seen churches that just open up because it was of the flesh. And so it must be of God and it must be by God. Otherwise, it is done in the flesh and is done by man. Now, I love what Chuck Smith always say. You know, you want the work of God to be out of inspiration, not of the flesh, by man, perspiration. It has to be inspiration, otherwise it's going to smell, it's going to be the work of man. And so now that brings us to chapter 1, the remainder of chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Paul, now if you look back at verse 4, just look at verse 4. Paul says, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. You are elected by God, and again, I'm not going to get into this Calvinistic theology and everything, but I don't believe in the hyper-Calvinism, that some were chosen by God and some were not chosen by God. And that's what it, it, the hyper-Calvinistic view is. But we are elected based on God's foreknowledge. God's foreknowledge. At the very end, there's something called the book of life. And those who have accepted Jesus Christ and maintained their faith and continue on with the Lord has been written in the book of life. It's already there. The name's already written. It's, it's as you would be in a town. Your name is in the registry of your town. Right? But this here, your name is written in heaven because your citizenship is in heaven. We are only here temporarily. Okay? And so God knows the end. It's his foreknowledge. He knows the beginning from the end because he's the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Okay? 
And so he knows who's elect. Elected those, if you, if you choose Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're elected. Very simple. Okay? And if you, if you want to look at election, again, the children of Israel were elected. But many of them would worship idols. Right? Does that mean that they're right with God? No. Then God has to allow, because of the sake of election, then God has to let idol, worship, idol worshipers in heaven. So anyway... Their election, their conversion was a supernatural work of God. It wasn't done by man. It was done by the Holy Spirit. It was done by God. And God did this by way of the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to really focus on these next five chapters. Is it has, I'm sorry, five verses. It is the church of the Thessalonians. It has to deal with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is, is writing to the Thessalonians. He's also writing to you and I today, Calvary Chapel of Milford, and every church that's on the face of this planet that, it, that profess Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, before we begin... We need to know, what is the gospel? If someone to ask you, what is the gospel? How would you give an answer? The Bible says, be ready, give an answer. What is the gospel? Good news, that's another word for it, but that doesn't define it. I'm going to give you a verse, a passage of scripture that you need to take down as notes as students of God's word, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Paul writes this, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you receive and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. Here it is. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he, was, he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. It was prophesied that he would die, he would be buried, he would rise again on the third day. That is the gospel message. The gospel message, the good news, is salvation is freely given to all men, women, boy, or girl, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ the Lord. And when one receives and believes that gospel message, the next step that that person must do is repent. Repent. And repent means to turn around. And once they hear the gospel... The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, then there is a, a turning around. I'm no longer going to be the same person I used to be. I no longer follow the world. I no longer follow my will, but now I turn around completely and follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. That is the gospel. Repent, and then you have salvation. And so, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Let's look at verse 5. We're going to be in verse 5 for a little bit, but be patient. I promise you we'll learn a lot from here. Verse 5, it says, For our gospel, for our gospel. Paul is not implying that he has his own gospel, his different gospel that, and then different of the other apostles. No, they all preach the same gospel they, they preached Christ's death, burial, resurrection. The contents were the same. The only difference was the messenger. 
We all, every single one of us, and I hope you can say amen, that we all share the gospel. Hope we do. Are we sharing the gospel? When we share the gospel, it's not our gospel. What we talk about? We talk about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, death, burial, resurrection. We share the gospel as one message, the same message as all the apostles preach, but different messenger. Now, Paul, he's going to list Four ways the gospel, in verse 5, in verse 5, Paul's going to reveal four ways the gospel was revealed to the church at Thessalonica. Four ways it was revealed, okay? And, and, And that's how every believer came to Christ. That's how every church is birthed out is by the gospel and the gospel alone. So let's read verse 5. Follow with me. It says, For our gospel, number one, here it is, did not come to you in word only, but also, number two, in power, and number three, in the Holy Spirit, and number four, in much assurance. And we're going to look at each one of these individually. First, the gospel came to them. It's, it's not there, but it's subtle. Did not come to you in word only. What does that mean? That means the gospel was preached to them. So the first thing, the first way the gospel was revealed to the Thessalonians, it, it, it was preached to them. And you can read that again in Acts chapter 17. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they preached the gospel to the Thessalonians. And we find out it's for three Sabbaths. That's three weeks. They share the gospel. They receive Christ as Lord and Savior. That is how people get saved. People get saved by the preaching of the word of God, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And who are called, listen, who are called to preach the gospel? Every single one of us here who have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, you are a witness. The Greek word for witness is martis, where we get the word martyr. We are all called to preach the gospel. You don't need a divine calling, an audible voice coming from heaven to tell you preach the gospel. You are saved. Christ giving you eternal life. Now share the gospel to everyone else. Every single one who has been born again and saved, we are to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. As a matter of fact, it should be burning within us. To share the gospel should be burning within us. It should be burning deep within your heart as it was with the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah had a passion. It was burning within him to share the gospel. Here it said, Jeremiah 20 verse 9, it says, But his word, his word is in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, but I could not. Amen. Do we have that passion? Do we have that passion of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ so much so that it burns within us? It affects you physically? That's what happened with Jeremiah. It burned within him. I say, pray, see God. If you examine your life, which we ought to, we ought to examine where we stand in Christ. How genuine are Christians are we? Are we just Christian by name? Are we just Sunday church only? But are we followers of Jesus Christ? 
so much so that we're obedient to follow him. I love Jesus so much. I want to share him with everyone. And I love people so much. I want them to go to heaven. I don't want them to go into hell and burn forever. That should concern us. Jeremiah had a passion to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That should be in each and every one of us. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. He said, woe is me, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe. And, and we, we look so, quite often when we study the scriptures, man, I wish I was like Paul. Or, you know, I, I don't think anybody wants to be like Peter, but, you know, I want to be the Peter in the book of Acts. Okay, but think about this. This is who they were. They had a burning passion for the things of God. They had a burning passion for the word of sharing the gospel. Paul even said, woe is me if I do not preach. So examine these two verses when you get home. Saints, we are all called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all should have a burning desire to share salvation with every person that comes in contact with us. Romans chapter 10, verses 15, 14, and 15, Paul writes this, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of Christ. How beautiful are the feet of those who you don't have to be, you don't have to go to Africa. You don't got to go to India. You know, we, we're so concerned about, you know, we spend billions of dollars to send a man to the moon. We can't go across the street to meet our neighbors. It's the paradox of our time. But here, it says, how can they hear without a preacher? The word preacher, preach, is the word caruso. It's not someone who's ordained or someone who went to seminary or Bible college. Every single one of us here who believes in Jesus Christ, we are called to preach. We are preachers of the gospel. And that's how it is. The church somehow got it backwards because they don't study the word, is obviously. But every single one of you that believes in Jesus Christ, you are called to preach. You're preachers. You're Caruso. You, you herald the, the message as a, as a man would herald the message in the village. You preach out there, and I always, put, I always give you the illustration. You preach out there. You, you know, you, you, you preach, which is proclaim out there. Then in here, we teach. You proclaim out there, and we explain here. That's the way it is. Preach, proclaim. That is your job. Don't get me wrong. You, you say, oh, what about you, pastors? I'm only one man. The Bible never say, oh, all the leaders, the pastors, bishops, deacons, you are to preach the gospel. No, it's everyone preaching the gospel. And if we proclaim and preach out there, bring them in here, we're explaining and teach them here. And that's the, way it is, that's the way it is scripturally written for us. Now, there is a popular quote out there among Christian circles, and I'm pretty sure you heard it. You probably got it on social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. Somebody put a little nice little Christianese uh, phrase there. And you heard this before. It says, your life may be the only Bible some people read. Here's another, another way to put it. Be careful how you live. You may be the only Bible some person ever reads. Now, we know that action may speak louder than words. However, the scripture is very clear that there is no communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ until words are spoken. Words need to be spoken. 
Yes, we are to set an example. Yes, we are to have a good testimony, act like Christians. However, people do not get saved by the way you act, by experiences and by testimonies. I've been to some Christian events where testimonies. I've been to a concert, one guy did some really magical trick, and there was nothing scriptural, but it was really fascinating, very entertaining. Then he gave an altar call. What am I giving an altar call for? Know how to disappear and reappear? No gospel. There should be evidence that you're a Christian. However, let me give you an illustration how that looks. If you think, oh, I'm going to get people saved by the way I act. It's the word of God. It's the gospel. For example, you go fishing. You have your bait. Do you tie up your bait and fishing on the fishing line without a hook? Yeah, it's going to really get the fish attention, and you probably won't get the worm back. But you need a hook. So yeah, it attracts the attention of fish, this worm. But you need a hook. And so your testimony is a bait, yes, it should, bring, it should make them curious about you. You know, you're different than everyone else. And when you're going to say, hey, you want to accept Jesus Christ, the Lord of person and see him? And say, whoa, whoa. No, it's the word of God. And the hook is the gospel, right? He made us fishers of men, right? The hook is what brings them in. It's what we catch them. The bait, yes. The bait is, hey, why are you so happy? Dude, you're about to lose your job. You're about to lose your house. Your girlfriend left you. Why are you so happy? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's Jesus. So you're crazy. I want what you have. I've been watching you. I see you pray over your meals at lunchtime. I see how you carry yourself. I see that you're kind. You're always complaining. There's something about you, and I want that. That's the bait. Then you bring the hook. Say, so you know what it is? I was a sinner. I'm, I, was, I was messed up. And you give your testimony. And that's what's so exciting about sharing the gospel. You give your testimony. And then you give the gospel. And now they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. People don't get saved by, by watching you. I share something with you that really affected me. It hit me so hard. I was in tears. I had to call another pastor. I was in tears. Because for almost two years, I had a neighbor that lived next to me. And I thought by me being nice, having good conversations, that that would lead him to ask me about Jesus when I should have been bold. That man passed away. All because I wanted to be nice, be relative, seeker friendly as some churches are today. We need to share the gospel of Jesus. The New Testament church turned the world upside down. Without the gospel, the, God, the New Testament was written at that time, but they turned the world upside down, right side up rather, as we say. I'm the You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. We've been looking at some useful and applicable things in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Toward the end of this book, there are some verses that might be viewed as a test or a challenge depending on what you're going through. The author of this letter, the Apostle Paul, says to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in everything to give thanks. Do you have much to be thankful and grateful for today? 
Be reminded that Jesus coming back someday is the greatest reason to rejoice. It's a hope that you can hold on to when the rest of the world is hopeless. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. On our website, we also have some helpful resources to assist you in what you're learning or how you're studying the Bible. Just click on the Study Helps tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we look forward to the next edition of Running the Race.